You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Incredible. Oh, what a privilege it is to be here today, be with you all, my family, and I am so super excited today because we are talking about something I'm going to get passionate about. So pre-warning, we're going in, we're going real, be prepared to be challenged. We're not holding back today. How good has our series at the table been? I have been like massively challenged, I've loved it so much. We've had two incredible preachers already, the first one looking at who's around our table, the second one looking at who's at the head of your table. And this, today, we are looking at the extra seat at the table. Now, I don't know about you, but I love a good wedding. Anybody else that just love a good wedding, it's the picking the, thank you, picking the outfit, it's getting the hair done, it's like choosing like the handbag, all that sort of stuff, hanging out with your friends, going to the wedding, going to the ceremony, which is just beautiful, and seeing your friends get married, going to the reception, and I love it, it's such good fun, it's just full of love and warm and fuzziness, but there's this moment in every wedding reception that fills me with dread. I'm just being honest. That kind of moment where you're like, and that is when you get to the seating chart. That moment when you get there and every bit in your head is going, it was all day, wasn't it? It wasn't just an evening guest. I was all day. And you scan the seating chart looking for your name, praying to Jesus you're going to find it. But then there's that moment where you're not there and you're like, yeah, I made an error here. And you just subtly kind of like, okay, guys, yeah, great. Just kind of trying to back out of the wedding, like, thanks, everybody. Quickly get yourself to McDonald's where, you know, you're dressed in your finery for the best Big Mac you've ever had before you go back to the evening. And there's that moment, isn't it? It's just like, oh, gosh. But also at my my mum's house, right, Christmas Day at my mum's house is epic because they have an open door policy. And basically all day, there'll just be people walking in and walking out. And there'll be somebody sat on like, you know, a really nice, you know, chair at the dining table. Then the next person's like down here on a beanbag. Somebody else is on the piano stool. Someone's just like cross-legged on the floor. Someone's on a cardboard box. Because there's always an extra seat at my mum's table. There's always something that gets wheeled out, you know, for you to sit on. Because in my mum's house, there is always room for one more. There is always room for one more. And I know what it's like. That moment in your week when somebody says to you, hey, I could really do with going for a coffee this week. And you're like, oh, okay. Or when somebody says, oh, can we get that meeting in this week? We need to talk about this thing. You're like, oh, okay. Because internally in your brain, at the back of your mind, you're going, you'd have no idea what my week looks like. (laughs) This is not going to happen. This is not going to be possible because you know how full your week is. You know, we look at it, it's like Monday, I've got the church Zoom. Tuesday, I've got small group. Wednesday's prayer group. Thursday's band rehearsal. Friday, I'm taking my car to the garage. Don't worry, it's the Christian garage. Don't, Don't worry. You know, Saturday, I might take a little bit of me time. And suddenly your diary, your life is just so full with all things church. But we are called to be salt and light. 
We're called not just to be in like this Christian bubble of nicety, of comfort. We're called to be out in the world. Sometimes our lives can be so full and so busy that we miss something super important. What does your week, your diary look like? You know, over the last two weeks, we, we've been encouraging you massively to engage in relationship. You know, engaging in the right people around your table, the right people at the head of your table, right person at the head of your table, which is all well and good, but you need an extra seat at your table. You should always have room for one more at your table. And sure, we can all be guilty of being busy. We can all be guilty of filling our lives. But my challenge today and what I want us to think about is that there should always be room for one more. Our key scripture today is actually one of my favorite scriptures, so I'm super excited. Um, it's from Romans. And uh, in Romans, we have Paul writing to the church in Rome. And um, he's basically like laying it down, which is what I love. He's like, look, guys, salvation is only going to come through Jesus. It's only going to come through knowing who God is, accepting his love. And um, he's saying this because so many of uh, the Pharisees are basically like, the only way to salvation is through the law and ticking all the boxes and following all the rules. And so when we put that in context of what our verse says today, I find it really, really interesting. Because he turns around and he says this in Romans 10. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That is why scripture exclaims, a sight to take your breath away. Grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. How can we expect for the church to grow, for our friends to know Jesus, for our loved ones to find the love of God if we don't go? How, how can we expect? How can they hear if no one's told them? How, how will they hear if we don't do something about it? There has to be an extra seat at your table. We are salt and light. And I want us to look at three different assignments, I believe, that we've got from God of how we can do this. And our first one is an extra seat for our, our peers. Now, Simon the Pharisee, and the Pharisees were all these kind of religious types, kind of contemporaries of Jesus, but those that were like super about the law and not really about forgiveness and grace and love. And um, they had a little bit of a scheme going on because they invited Jesus around for dinner. They had it in their heads. They were like, we're going to trip him up. We're going to like catch him and be like, ah, that's not very loving, is it? They were going to try and catch him out by having him around for dinner. And when, um, when, they went, when he went around for dinner, there's normally like loads of customs and things that they would do when they kind of invite a guest and like uh, clean their feet, pour oil on their head, give them a, a kiss to welcome them. But they did none of that. They did absolutely none of that. And it's really interesting that Jesus kind of had an option in that moment to either be like, um, guys, <laughs> you invite me around for dinner and where's my welcome? But actually, no, he just responds with grace, with love. He reclines at the table. It says that one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. This is Luke 7. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Didn't say he got there, he kicked off. You know, it says he reclined at the table, took them exactly as they were gave them love, showered them with grace. 
And I love it because then in the verse, it then goes on to talk about the sinful woman who then comes to dinner. Now, the sinful woman was really known in the village for having a reputation. You know, there's a reason why she's called the sinful woman, right? So not only is like the mega outsider coming to dinner where Jesus is, where he's already trying to be tripped up. She comes in, shows all the customs that you should show. And the thing that just massively impacts me here is that Jesus just showers love, showers grace, doesn't go, oh, I'll deal with you later. I'm kind of dealing with these guys. He just takes it all in and demonstrates his love. And what happens next is that when it goes on in John 3, we see that the Pharisees start to ask Jesus questions. They're like, what are all these miracles you're performing? And we all know John 3.16, right? He then shares the gospel, gets to share the love, gets to share the hope with his peers. But what he started with was just his actions, sat around the dinner table. What happens if we just start planting seed after seed after seed with our friends, with our peers? Maybe one day it's just one small thing that leads to another small thing that leads to another small thing. And then eventually you find them in church. You know, I, um, I have an incredible PT. I love him dearly. He's turned into a really good friend. And over the last year and a half, I've just been trying to plant seed upon seed upon seed. And do I believe and trust that he's going to come to know Jesus? Absolutely. But this week, he, um, he had a job uh, interview. Spoiler alert, got the job. Praise the Lord. But I said to him, look, Tom, I'm going to be praying for you. What time is your interview? Like, you know, fully giving him my time, my interest. And I made sure that I prayed for him, that I really, you know, just gave him everything that I could. And the day that he got the job, he messaged me and said, Sarah, I think those prayers of yours are working. Seed after seed after seed after seed. Because of the way Jesus acted, suddenly these Pharisees got to hear the gospel. God has placed us in all sorts of groups within our peers, whether it's at the school gate, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's school, college, whether it's at a sports club, whether it's down the pub. He's placed us in all these areas to be salt and light, to have an extra chair at our table. You are there for a reason. God has placed you in these moments for a reason, for you to be that person that shows them the love of Jesus through your actions, shows them how that you can plant a seed and plant a seed and plant a seed and see it come to fruition. Because church, you must always have room for one more. Always have room for one more at your table. Our second assignment from God is an extra seat for our family. And it says in Matthew 8, it says, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. You know what? Jesus knew the importance of family. He makes it so clear how important family is. And I think with our families, we get really familiar, don't we? We get really kind of comfortable and safe because we know what to expect. We know what's going to happen next. But actually, what would happen if we started showing them the love of God through our actions? What would happen, you know, if suddenly we showed more grace? In 1 Peter, it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I don't, like, for me and my family, without grumbling, it's a challenge. I won't lie. I adore them. 
but they wind me up massively. But if I can start responding to them in a way that isn't going, oh, why have you done that? And gone, that's totally okay. That's, uh, yeah, I can do that for you. That's not a problem. Planting the seeds. What does that look like in your family? I know family can be tough. I know it can be super hard sometimes. Not everybody's family is easy. But you were placed there for a reason. You're not in your family from, because of a fluke. God placed you there with a plan and a purpose to be the salt and light. To shine your light of love to your family. It is our assignment to show them the love of God. And we must always have that extra seat at the table for our loved ones, our family members. You are the biggest advert for Jesus they may ever see. You're the biggest advert of what the love of God looks like. How can you show the love of Jesus to them? You know, Joel and I have a little bit of a rule in our house. I think I probably got it from my mum. But we always have an open door. Our house, we always say, whether if you're a family member or you're a friend who's pretty much family, you can turn up at any point at our house because we will always have room for one more in our house. Even if, you know, we're on the floor and they're in the bed, it doesn't matter. We'll always have room for one more. And when you set that culture and you set that precedent, when people know that, when your family know that that's something you do, they're going to question and go, wow, where did that come from? What does that look like in your house, in your home? The next assignment that we've got is an extra seat for the vulnerable, for the marginalized. Mark 2 says this, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sick. You know, Jesus had this really super strong core of friends. He had his disciples, didn't he? He knew his foundations, who his people were to go to. But did he stay with them the whole time? No. Jesus makes it super clear. He went to the, the vulnerable and the marginalized. He went to those people. He knew when to come back again, but he also knew when to go out. You know, you think about the Samaritan woman, Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, the man with leprosy. You know, if he hadn't have gone, those stories wouldn't have happened. What does it look like for you to step out to the, the vulnerable and the marginalized? Got to make space for it. I remember when we were during COVID, we were doing our hampers, which was incredible that we were able to respond in that way. And um, I was dropping off a hamper to a family who, uh, the whole family had COVID, and so no one could leave the house. And I, I took this hamper of food round. Um, I'll be honest, it was probably about 11 pounds in total. And I took it to the front door, and the mum opened it and could see the relief on her face. But her little daughter came to the front door and obviously straight away went <laughs> rummaging through. Like, oh, what we got? And um, I was massively impacted when this, this girl was pulling out these items of food, or tins of beans, things like that, being like, whoa, wow, this is amazing. And then she pulled out, and I'll never forget it, um, this bottle of squash that was probably, what, like 69p. And this little girl just went, Mom, it's my favorite squash. How did they know? 
And in that moment, my heart was so impacted because it was like 69p for a bottle of squash. But that family, that little girl would not have known and seen that day the love of Jesus if I hadn't have taken that hamper. It was one, it was one family. But if I hadn't have taken that time to do that, they wouldn't have known that there's a church on their doorstep. They wouldn't have known that in their moment of need, there were people that were ready to love them, to support them, show them the love of Jesus. We must always have an extra seat. We must always have an extra seat. You know, we want you to build tables of strength. We want you to build tables that are full of the right people. But we must always have a room for one more. Jesus made it so clear in the way he acted, the way he showed love. The people he went to, he went out to those people. The ones that society had dismissed. The ones on the fringes, on the edges, because no one would show them love. Church, who is it in our communities, in our neighbors, in the people around us that we need to go to and be the ones that show Jesus? Be the ones that bring love, bring hope, bring a plan and a purpose. Because it is our assignment and our responsibility. The reality is, church, that all of this stuff is great, but it starts with us. We can stay comfortable, we can stay contented. But if we don't take a step out, then this church is never going to grow. You know, I just think about the fact that there are people out there that if we don't go, we'll never hear about the fact they're loved. The fact that they can know hope. That they can have a plan and a purpose for their life. The fact that there's forgiveness. The fact that they can be part of a family. Like, how are they going to hear if we don't go? The Romans passage makes it so, so clear. Church exists for those that are not in it yet. This isn't just a social club. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This isn't just a social club. It exists for those people that don't even know yet. It is our assignment and our responsibility. We've got to go to our workplaces, our families, our peers, to those on the edges. We've got to get up and go, church. If we don't, then who is going to tell them? We can't rely on another person. It has to start with us. It starts right here, church. It starts right now, church. You've got to get up out of your seat, get passionate, fired up with the love of God to reach the last, the least, and the lost. Because if we don't, who will? Because if you don't, who will? We can't wait for somebody else to invite them. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why scripture exclaims a sight to take your breath away. Church, you are sent. We're not waiting for some like big moment to be like, let's go. No, this is it. This is your moment. If you're asking Jesus, when do I go? Now's it. This Sunday, today, line in the sand, a moment, a mark, I'm going to reach out to that person. That person I'm going to intercede for. That person I'm going to invite to church. That person, I'm going to buy them a coffee. I'm going to bless them in some way, just demonstrating the love of God. What Jesus did when he was around the table with the Pharisees was he was gracious. He was loving. He showed them forgiveness in that moment. And that's what led to them asking questions about the gospel. 
Don't be afraid. Be who God has created you to be with the light that he has put inside of you. And that is enough to start. That is enough to get going. You know, I think about um, my brother-in-law in these moments. He's an incredible guy, and uh, he came into our family not really knowing Jesus. And the rest of my family all love Jesus, and wow. But he didn't know Jesus when he came into our family. And, um, I mean, we all spent a long time, you know, demonstrating our, God's love to him in the way that we treated him, the way that we invited him into our family, the way that we just were around him. And he began to ask questions and he began to kind of go, what, what is it? What is it about this family? And we got the privilege over a few years of seeing him come to know Jesus through the way that we were just as a family unit of being people who loved Jesus first, being people that demonstrated in our actions, demonstrated in our words. And over time, we got to see him come to know Jesus. The day that we were all there for his confirmation was incredible. But if we hadn't have done that, if we hadn't have got uncomfortable, if we hadn't have pushed to show it through our actions, because we could have stayed really comfy as a family and just gone, yeah, sure, great. But we didn't. We pushed by praying for him, interceding for him, inviting him to church, getting him to church. And over time, he came to know Jesus. Because church, it starts right now. And it starts here. Do you know what? Our summer socials are the greatest way you can start. What do you got to do? Invite a friend. Plant a seed. It's really simple. Pick one. Ask God, who do you want me to invite? And start there. One small step leads to another small step, which leads to another small step, which who knows what God's going to do. Invite people to our summer socials. Do you know what my prayer is? That in a year's time, this church has doubled. If not tripled. <laughs> you know, my prayer is that this church grows massively. And it's all well and good as we are, but the only way that's going to happen is if we get out of our seats and we go do something about it. You know, I look around and I think, what if everybody here invited someone? And what if in a year's time, this is another service? And then what if they invited someone? There's another year's. We could have so many services, we don't know what to do. So many of the lost come home. What if you are the only Jesus they'll ever see? Just let that sink in for just a second. What if you are the only Jesus they ever see? Slightly uncomfortable, huh? But it's true. Today we've got to ask ourselves, how do I make room at the table? Who am I making room at the table for? Today is about getting serious, stepping out and stepping up because there should always be an extra seat. Church, why don't you stand? I've been so challenged this week. Sure, I might be 
the missions pastor, that I'm just as challenged as hopefully you are. That what does my table look like? Am I, is my table so full that I've forgotten to make room? And what I want us to do now is just take a moment to ask God, who is it I need to make room for? Just let God plant it in your heart. And then just seed by seed, step by step. Maybe there's something you need to lay down. You know, do you know what? I'm so busy. I need to let that go so I can actually focus on reaching those that don't yet know Jesus. My diary needs to be freer to do the love, to show the love of Jesus. Church, why don't you just reach out your hands? God, show us who it is we need to reach out to. Whether it's a family member, whether it's someone at the school gates, someone at the sports club, someone at work. Is there someone on the fringes I really should reach out to? speak to us now, God. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10am and 12pm.